As for these stones that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. If you were with us last week, you will recall that our gospel passage was the one where Jesus is asked about the resurrection. And it gave us an opportunity to ponder the impermanence of these physical bodies. And it so happened to be the the day that many of us found out that our dear brother Joe Franis had been taken to be with the Lord. It so happens that today is the day that we must sadly let you know that Our dear sister, Gail Brim, who has been sick for a long time, went to be with the Lord just last night. And uh, we, well, it's sad, and yet at the same time, she was a dear sister in Christ. And so we'll get back to you when we know that we will have, we'll be able to celebrate her life together. Next Saturday afternoon, morning, afternoon, one o'clock? One that uh, is uh, the celebration in a requiem Eucharist of Joe Frannis's life. Uh, this week, to move ahead, while well, last week we pondered the impermanence of these frail bodies, this week our gospel text invites us to consider the impermanence of physical buildings. And I, I came away from this text with Um, three things to think about. First, uh, the impermanent temple that Jesus is talking about gives way to a permanent temple. You know, Israel always knew that the temple in which they worshiped was an impermanent arrangement. You know that under Moses in the wilderness, all the people had was a moving tent. Eventually, God accedes to Solomon's request to build a house for him, a temple. And, but even then, when Solomon dedicates the house to God, he acknowledges, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I have built. No. In fact, say the prophets, like Isaiah in today's passage from chapter 65, as well as Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God's intent is to dwell in human hearts and then to fill new heavens and the new earth with his presence as he lives among his people. And then Jesus and New Testament writers boldly assert that the permanent dwelling of God not confined to a physical building, has begun. And so at the beginning of John's gospel, Jesus stands outside the same temple that he's talking about in Luke and says, tear down this building. Now, the building that he's talking about was one of the, was one of the most massive buildings in all of antiquity. You could put four American football fields on the Temple Mount that Herod had built, and some 
archaeologists speculate that if it had not built, been built by Jewish people, it would have been called in the rest of the European world the eighth wonder of the world. It was King Herod's massive reconstruction, that it, the reconstruction that, that had been going on 46 years when Jesus got there and was still going to go on after his, after his death. It was King Herod's massive reconstruction of what had been the modest post-exile temple that had replaced Solomon's temple following its destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. Well, standing there, Jesus says, tear down this massive structure and I will raise it up again in three days. And in point of fact, in the year of our Lord, 70, at the hands of the Roman army, that building did come down, never to be built again. In fact, one of the most spectacular vistas that you will experience if you go to, go to Jerusalem and you stand across on the Mount of Olives and look across, you see the vacancy of where that temple used to be, except now inhabited by the, the Dome of the Rock. It's, it's, a, it's breathtaking to stand there and to ponder the fact that this temple isn't there anymore. One of the reasons that temple isn't there anymore is because God had a different building project in mind. Paul calls the church a dwelling place for God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 and it's a dwelling in which each of us, says the Apostle Peter, is a living stone. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Here's the deal. The only structure on planet Earth that will survive whatever Holocaust lies ahead, and the only building project that will then last into eternity is the temple that the people of God are, the church of Jesus Christ. And so, we've met in cathedrals that honor the royalty of Christ, but also in gymnasiums and reclaimed roller skating rinks that testify to his lordship over all of life. A church that Sherry and I once belonged to had a sign in front of its very plain but acoustically live building. The sign said, the meeting place of the Chapel Hill Bible Church. So an impermanent temple gives way to a permanent temple. And then secondly, the world's sense of impermanence and anxiety and angst is only enhanced by the loss of that impermanent temple. Now, in verse 20 of our chapter from Luke, after our reading for today ends, Jesus will go ahead, will, will talk about exactly what to expect when the Roman armies surround Jerusalem and get ready to destroy it. But for some reason, before he goes there, he gives us our verses in which he talks about what it's going to be like for God's people when that temple is gone and when we're the temple. 
And it's going to be hard. Sorry, it's going to be hard. Fake saviors. Human disasters like wars and insurrections. Natural disasters like earthquakes, famines, plagues. Cosmic disasters like portents and signs from heaven. Betrayal by loved ones. What he wants you and me is to not be intimidated, not to be shocked when the world around us only knows fake saviors, human disasters, natural disasters, comic disasters, and when loved ones don't get us anymore. It's okay. It's not that he's not in control. It's that's the world being the world when they don't sense a center of gravity. And that takes us to point three. We are the ones who point to the center of gravity. So number three, in the face of the loss of that impermanent temple and the rising of the permanent, you and I have one task. Luke chapter 21, verse 13. To testify. To testify. Now, the testimony has two parts, wisdom and word, neither of which calls for any homework, just a way of being, being filled by the God who is indwelling by his spirit, his house. Now, Paul writes about the kind of wisdom that characterizes us dwelling in that house that make Jesus and God's dwelling in the house attractive. And the second Thessalonians, that wisdom is a wisdom that foregoes the fourth of the seven deadly sins, sloth. Now, if in the long version of this sermon, we would explore that, or in the seminary lecture. In 1 Corinthians, Another letter of Paul, he speaks to the way wisdom is expressed in terms of the first and the seventh of the deadly sins, pride and lust. Paul writes about the wisdom that characterizes us when he tells each one of the Corinthians that their body is a temple of God, and therefore they can't sleep around or stop looking for a resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15. Oh, and we could go on about that one, couldn't we? That's the seventh of the seven deadly sins. And then he tells them that they all together are the temple of God. You individually are the temple of God, therefore avoid the seventh of the deadly sins impurity, and the first of the deadly sins we address together, the sin of pride. And so he says in 1 Corinthians 3, all of us together are the temple of God, and that therefore we can't divide into rival parties and look down on other people. We can't sue one another or put each other down. That's the wisdom part of this, just living it letting it live in us. Here in our passage, 
Jesus also talks about the word part of this. Here, Jesus simply says about the word part, don't worry about it. I'll give you words that you need when you need them. Take the text home and read it. Don't worry about it. Just be ready. Elsewhere in Luke, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what you ought to say, Luke 12, verse 12. And, well, maybe it's as simple that as that. Dwell in wisdom, just be ready. Or it may be more like friends. The trappings here in the temple are about to fall away because they've been pointing to spiritual realities that now need to live in people's hearts. And maybe that's the way you and I are supposed to live too, surrounded by also a gorgeous building that was made to do one thing, form us to have our eyes on him and maybe be different just because we have the privilege of being here. Friends, perhaps, Jesus is saying, as trappings fall away, their true intent must take up a more permanent resident inside you. This building, like that building, was made to form people. This one was made to form you and me. To be always aware of sins being covered by God's own self-offering. Prayers that penetrate all the way to the mercy seat of God himself. You can't walk in here without smelling the incense that's left over. That's just a picture. That's simply a picture of, of our prayers. Praises that the most high God inhabits. The acoustics in here are amazing because they amplify our sound together. God's word read and explained in such a way that it takes in the innermost parts of our being. The exercise that I set for myself and invite you to consider is this. While all these surroundings are here, while these stones do stand, and may they remain here a long time, May they serve me and may they serve you in such a way that were they gone, they would have served their purpose. That I would know that I am both welcomed and sent by the Jesus depicted before our very eyes. That he takes our prayers to the throne of grace that he sings in our midst, and that he orchestrates our praise. That my sins and your sins are more than adequately covered by the sacrifice memorialized week after week at that table. That I can tell the most wonderful story that begins in the creation depicted in our rose window and points to a culmination when Jesus is manifest as Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, Lord of the universe. And 
Can we tell the story that begins in the Old Covenant with Moses and John the Baptist, both pointing forward? And I have to bring my cheater notes because even though the names are up there, they're kind of hard to see. But on this side, the Old Covenant story from Adam and Noah to Joseph and Abraham, from Samuel and David and Jeremiah and Isaiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, the great prophets, and then the prophets of justice and, and God's mercy, Amos and Hosea. And then on this side, beginning with the amazing story of God's miraculous love for big sinners, Stephen, who's martyred partially at the hands of Paul, standing next to one another, reconciled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then 12 apostles, each of them having their own stained glass, with Matthias at the end, replacing Judas, and then each of them also in a pillar. May that story, may their pointing to the story and unpacking the story shape me and as I follow the story of Jesus from the incarnation here in Mary's chapel to Jesus' living among us, doing, teaching his parables, doing his miracles, dying on the cross to pay for our sins, rising from the dead to win our justification, ascending to heaven to rule on our behalf, and sending the apostles to bring the nations to himself. Whether this building stands or not, May that wonderful reality press itself in upon me. May this building still stand and be filled with vibrant worship on the day that Jesus Christ returns in glory. But if it doesn't, if the day should come, perish the thought when what's happened through ISIS to churches that are 1,500 years old in the Mideast, or, oh dear God, may it never be that this church should turn into what's happening in too many Western churches, becoming a bowling alley or a clothing boutique. Should anything like that ever happen? When it's true of this building, that not a stone of it still stands, may it have done its work well. And if it does its work well, those days just may not come. But may it do its work well while you and I are here, privileged to be worshiping in it. May it help you and me to testify to testify to the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ and his saving, loving mission. And may we, as our gospel concludes, may we endure. May each of us, as living stones, play our part in furthering these stones' missions. These stones' mission and furthering his mission. To God be the glory. Amen.